This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to a few hearings state lawmakers are expected to tackle and more. Plus, we'll get commentary from the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb and Illinois Editor Brett Rowland about a report highlighting bullying and harassment in House Speaker Mike Madigan's State House operations, population loss impacting home values, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Governor J.B. Pritzker and the leader of Illinois House Republicans weighing in after a report highlighted bullying, intimidation, and harassment under the leadership of House Speaker Michael Madigan. Pritzker said the report released this week showed a, quote, special kind of harassment and intimidation for years from Tim Mapes, Madigan's former chief of staff and the former clerk of the House. Mapes was also the Democratic Party of Illinois' executive director. Madigan is still the chairman there. Pritzker wouldn't directly say if he still has confidence in Madigan. It depends on what he knew, but I but I will say that it's you know you shouldn't obviously we, you know we need to get rid of people who hold these views and to the extent that um, you know that it was brought forward you, you know you can't leave people in these supervisory positions who are demonstrating this kind of bullying. Pritzker was also asked Wednesday if Madigan dropped the ball by allowing House Clerk Tim Mapes to be in a position of power for as long as he was, where he bullied and harassed employees. I think it's it's clear that. Both sides of the aisle, because you've heard this on on the other side of the aisle, too. I think leadership in Springfield, everybody in Springfield, in a way, um, we've let this culture go on too long. I mean, I showed up seven months ago, but this culture has been around for a long time. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin said Madigan's future depends on the House Democrats. I'm not going to uh, get involved with what the House Democrats, uh, how they manage their their operations, uh, but I, I have nothing further to say on that. Durkin said Republicans have had their share of problems, but he said under his leadership, they've acted swiftly. We didn't need a, you know, a, a, an extensive investigation for us to make, make decisions and to take action. Uh, we will continue to do that. And those were situations which get into uh, harassment of, of employees, but also conduct that's unbecoming of members. In releasing the full report, Madigan said he takes responsibility and will do more to make the workplace a safer place to work. The owner of a number of coal-fired power plants in Illinois is asking the state legislature to take action after the company announced it was closing four plants. Cole Lauterbach has more. 
Vistra Energy announced Wednesday that it will be closing four facilities in central Illinois. The company cited the Illinois Pollution Control Board's June decision to require the company to shut down two gigawatts worth of coal-produced energy facilities by 2020. State Senator Sue Resin has the company's Hennepin facility in her district. She says plants must first get approval from regulators to ensure there's no lack of power production. There's a process where they have to make sure that if a plant decides to close or go offline or decommission, that there's sufficient base loading. You don't have rolling Vistra wants state lawmakers to enact a law that would allow the company to convert parts of their facilities to store energy from renewable energy sources like wind and solar. No bills have been filed yet. The four plants slated for closure employ about 300 people. Resin says the shutdown was no surprise, but hopes the company helps the employees who will be out of work find jobs. So we'll be able to retrain them and hopefully um, provide the jobs for them. Peoria area lawmakers Dave Kaler and Michael Eunice both released statements lamenting local job losses at the nearby Duck Creek facility. Bunker Hill Democrat Andy Minar was upset that the board allowed Vistra to close plants that emitted less pollution. This is because they had filters known as scrubbers on them, which meant higher cost to operate but less pollution. Officials will meet Friday in an effort to help the people who are losing their jobs at the Hennepin plant to find other work. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Governor J.B. Pritzker's been busy signing a bunch of legislation on various issues, but some of the measures have critics. The governor signed a measure Thursday to increase the minimum salary for Illinois' teachers to $40,000 by 2023, a move critics called an unfunded mandate that takes power away from locally elected school boards. Some have concerns the move will affect local school budgets, especially when coupled with the increase in the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour over several years. Pritzker said the measure will help attract teachers to the state where there's a teacher shortage with teachers' certain qualifications. He says that's going to send a message that we, quote, value teachers. He dismissed the increased labor costs over four years being called an unfunded mandate and something that will increase property taxes. I think it's exactly the opposite. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I mean, it's exactly the opposite. If the state will step up to the plate, one of the reasons that we have high property taxes in our state is because we're second to last in state funding. So where does the burden fall? It falls on local property taxpayers. State Representative Mike Murphy said even with an additional half billion dollars for schools across the state this year, the higher costs will hit school budgets. He said the state needs to reverse course with such mandates. Let the local governments run their their entities and stay out of their way and the property taxes will go down. Murphy said some districts will be affected by the higher costs. He said it's compounded by lawmakers' decision earlier this year to raise the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025. You know, some of them are, the $40,000 is going to be a problem, but not as much as the $15 minimum wage. You know, that's another unfunded state mandate we're putting on people. And once again, it's, where, where's that pressure going to be felt? It's going to be felt in property tax. The first step in the state's minimum wage increase kicks in January 1st, raising the minimum from $8.25 an hour to $9.25 an hour. Six months later, the minimum increases to $10 an hour and then a dollar every year till $15 an hour by 2025. Murphy said there are labor shortages in many fields in the states and to attract jobs, there needs to be lower taxes and fewer regulations. People stuck in jail awaiting trial on criminal charges that are still eligible to vote will have easier access to the ballot box, even while they're still behind bars, after the governor signed a measure Wednesday. One measure in a package shaves time off of sentence for an inmate, joining substance abuse treatment programs or getting college degrees. Another provides nonpartisan sessions on civics for former inmates. 
Pritzker explains the third bill he signed. We're going to be putting a polling place in the Cook County Jail for detainees who are eligible to vote and a vote by mail program in every other county all across the state of Illinois. That's 102 counties. We're making sure that 20,000 people detained pre-trial each year don't miss out on the opportunity to have their voices heard. Republican State Representative Tim Butler opposed that measure. He said pre-trial detainees in Illinois already have the right to vote. And just like anyone else with the right to vote who's away from home during an election, they can request a mail-in ballot. We make it very easy for people to vote in Illinois. And at the end of the day, it is the citizen's responsibility to make sure that they vote. It's not the government's responsibility to make sure that people vote. It's the citizen's responsibility to make sure that they vote. Butler said he opposed the measure also because there could be mischief. Maybe they think if, if they vote that it's going to somehow, you know, help them reduce their sentence possibly because maybe they think that, you know, if the, if the sheriff pays attention to what they're doing, maybe they'll have a, I don't know, that, that could be something that, that someone thinks. Butler said he knows of no examples where a pretrial detainee was denied the right to vote. Several counties already have such programs, and Butler said smaller counties know that they have to give mail-in ballots to pretrial detainees who request them. Meanwhile, Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul says a lawsuit challenging the state's Gun Dealer License Certification Act should be dismissed. The Illinois State Rifle Association says it'll see the state in court. The association and several gun stores sued the state over the Illinois Firearm Dealer License Certification Act, saying, among other reasons, the rules were not finalized before the law went into effect last month. Last week, the association's executive director, Richard Pearson, said... Gun dealers haven't done anything wrong. All the people in our lawsuit have never sold a gun to a wrong person, have never done anything wrong, and yet they're being punished by the system. But the state's attorney general said Monday in a motion to dismiss the legal challenge that the plaintiffs have not shown they've been harmed because state police aren't enforcing anything, pending rules being made final in what's expected to be a months-long process. Pearson responded. What happened to the 1,211 dealers that are out of business? They're not hurt? <laughs> I think they're hurt. Illinois State Police filed those rules earlier this month. State Police Director Brendan Kelly last week said things are underway to have the law in effect after the rules are approved. We want to make sure this thing works. We want to make sure that the law that's been passed will be effective. And that's why uh, the process has been put in place the way it has been. Raul said in response to the gun dealers' lawsuit that the rules-making process is ongoing and since it's not being enforced, no one's been injured, but Pearson said the injury is of more than a 1,000 gun dealers not operating because they don't know what the cost of compliance will be before the rules have been finalized. The rules haven't even been published yet, and so there's still a 90-day period after that before this thing can be put into effect. Proposed rules will be published in the Illinois Register Friday. A hearing in the case is set for September 5th. Meanwhile, Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul is joined with several other states, including California and Massachusetts, in challenging a federal rule meant to keep taxpayer-funded Medicaid dollars from being diverted away from Medicaid providers. Raoul says that creates a hurdle for union dues to be deducted. The National Right to Work Foundation says it's an attempt by union bosses and their allies to skim tax dollars. An audit of the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services shows significant deficiencies in noncompliance and handling cases of alleged neglect and abuse. While the number of instances where the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services didn't follow up on cases in a timely manner was somewhat small, a fraction of a percent in some cases, Family Justice Resource Center Executive Director Michelle Widener said each case 
involved the life of a child in their family. And Governor J.B. Pritzker says political civility is important after photos taken at a Democratic state senator's fundraiser featured a man holding a fake gun up to another man wearing a mask of President Donald Trump. The images surfaced on social media over the last weekend from a fundraiser for Democratic state senator Martin Sandoval. Sandoval's apologized, but Illinois Republican Party chairman Tim Schneider said in a statement, the apology is too little too late and the issue is inexcusable. The governor said Monday, there's no place for such imagery in today's politics. In this moment, especially political civility uh, is important. And we also live in a moment when we, we've seen gun violence proliferate. Uh, I think it was important for me to speak out about it. It was important for Senator Sandoval, as he did, to speak out about it. Earlier this summer, Pritzker had a different take about similar imagery when asked about an image Snoop Dogg shared, showing him over a body with the toe tag Trump written on it and the words make America crip again. The governor called that political satire. Republican State Representative Darren Bailey said Sandoval needs to be called out for what he said is a mobster type mentality. Uh, I think the man should uh, resign his position and uh, I think the I hope that the voters of his area will be just as disgusted as I believe the rest of the state will be and uh, and call for his resignation. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb and Illinois Editor Brett Rowland. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Talk segment of Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square. Publisher Chris Krug is slacking off this week, so joining me today is the Center Square Illinois news editor Brett Rowland. Brett, how you doing? I'm good. How about you, Dan? I'm doing fine. Now, this is the second week in a row you've uh, filled in. Last week you filled in admirably for me. Thank you. Unlike Chris Krug, I was not slacking off last week. Well, okay, yes, I was. Anyway, we've uh, we prepared a few stories to talk about this week, Brett. Let's lead with this uh, another damning report critical of the leadership inside Speaker Michael Madigan's office. The 201-page report from former State Inspector General Maggie Hickey described a culture of intimidation and fear and placed much of the blame on longtime Madigan Chief of Staff Tim Mapes. What more can you tell us about this, Brett? It was um, it was very interesting to read. Uh, Mapes really took the, the brunt of the blame and he even put out a statement sort of trying to defend himself, which was was among the worst non-apologies I've ever seen. What was fascinating to me was just how, how little um, Madigan seemed to be mentioned or, or I guess how easy the report seemed to go on Madigan. Um, you know, this was Mapes was somebody that Madigan had hired and had put in those positions and um, presumably stood to benefit from whatever Mapes was doing. Um, so, I mean, if, if you have a person working for you for 25 years and, and you're unaware of their management style or how people in the office feel about that person, I think you're, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, so I want to read, um, uh, read a couple of um, the quotes from the report that are particularly, I don't know, eye-opening. So this is directly from Maggie Hickey's report. Quote, the number of independently verified instances of Mr. Mapes's derogatory behavior was overwhelming. 
Mr. Mapes had a re reputation for denigrating workers and threatening their jobs. Another quote, people believe that Mr. Mapes attempted to motivate workers through fear and that a few other supervisors throughout the years emulated this practice. Some people also raised the additional concern that given Mr. Mapes' political ties, he could make or break their careers outside of the speaker's office as well. Now, as you mentioned, Brett, uh, Mapes was uh, chief of staff for the House uh, for Madigan for 26 years, but he also uh, uh, served under Madigan in, in the Democratic state Democratic Party. You can't tell me that Madigan didn't know. I would find that hard to believe. Um, I'm just, just based on relationships I've had in the workplace, um, everybody kind of knows what's going on and, and, and who what different management styles are and and how that affects people uh, and when you see somebody with with, with the style that, that's described a management style that's that's described in in uh, Maggie Hickey's report I mean that becomes readily apparent um, and and I don't think it takes you 25 years to figure out that maybe that's not the best thing to, to have in, in your workplace it, it almost seemed from the report like Madigan was unaware or didn't really know what was going on in the, in the office. And that to me is either more concerning or, or shows that something was really, really off there. Well, I, I don't believe that for one second. I think um, in my personal opinion, uh, Maddie and authorized uh, uh, this kind of bullying, this kind of um, intimidation culture. There's this report deals strictly with the government side, the legislative side uh, of Madigan's operation. But we also know from reporting over the last couple of years uh, that the same thing was going on in, in his campaign offices. Um, several people were forced to retire after after victims came forward publicly, finally, after not uh, ha having their concerns addressed uh, privately. Um, one more thing from the, another thing from the report, uh, MAPES commonly threatened people's jobs or re reminded them they were dispensable. That prevented people from coming forward as well. They, they need their jobs as part of their livelihood. So how many other folks are out there who, who have been harassed or who have been bullied by uh, Madigan and his cronies. That's something that the center square is gonna continue to look into. One other thing I found interesting uh, in the report is that the center square's reporting over the past two years was cited at least four times in these inspector general's report. Uh, that tells me we're doing something right. And one, one last point here, um, Brett, you wrote a column this week about this topic. Uh, uh, you can read it at thecentersquare.com slash Illinois. Moving on to our next topic, Brett, actually, let me preface it by saying I live in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. I bought my house uh, in 2005. Of course, in 2008, the housing bubble burst leading to the Great Recession. Uh, home prices plummeted. But here we are 10 years later. And while uh, most Americans uh, uh, have seen their, their home values return or even increase over to pre-recession levels, Mine and many of my neighbors have not. A uh, new report came out this week that might explain that. Tell us about that, Brett. Uh, well, there's definitely growth in, in, in home prices in Illinois. Um, but the concern is that uh, home values don't seem to be growing here at the rate they are elsewhere. Nationally, I think the average is about 3.4%, or it was in May. And, um, and, and that's slowing down in general. But in Illinois, the rate is... Uh, like 1.6%. So about half the national rate, which uh, is definitely concerning to anybody who owns a home. Does a report go into why that might be? One of the factors it mentions is declining population. It says that a lot of the other cities that 
core logic uh, analyzed for this particular um, report didn't have uh, population losses like Illinois has, um, and especially not like Chicago has. Um, this was based on Case-Shiller uh, numbers that look at uh, larger cities and metropolitan areas. This one looked at the Chicago metro area, which um, we know has lost about 24,000 people in, in the last uh, a year or so. So that was one of the main factors that they cited. Um, they said basically fewer people means reduced demand. Yeah, I think that's the law of supply and demand uh, in a nutshell right there. Um, of course, we know from, from census data, from annual census data, Illinois has lost tens of thousands of people each of the last five years, a net tens of thousands of people to out-migration, meaning more people are leaving Illinois than are coming in. Um, uh, an April uh, report uh, said that every single metro area for the first time uh, in uh, Illinois show, showed population uh, losses. Um, and in the past decade, all states, except Illinois and West Virginia, uh, showed uh, increasing population. It's a, it's, a bad, it's a sad trend. It's one that's uh, not good for homeowners uh, uh, who want to see their investments uh, in homes uh, pay off at some point. And, and one of the reasons people who, uh, have said in surveys who are fleeing Illinois sure. is uh, the state's tax climate. I think that sums it up perfectly. Is it, you know, fewer people um, and, and the taxes are just too high. Now, uh, i got one more story on my list uh, this week, Brett, and, and this one's, uh, I don't know, this one's interesting, but um, um, a little confusing to me, a little bit of a strange story, but so something about uh, spy balloons launched in South Dakota that are going to be landing in Illinois next week, and, and Illinois uh, state police officials weren't aware of it. What, tell, me, tell me about that. What's going on here? Well, we don't know a whole lot about this yet. We, um, we wrote something after talking with um, the Illinois State Police director uh, last week, and he basically said that he was unaware of it. Uh, the Guardian, um, which is a, a paper in London, reported first reported the story as far as I can find um, that there were about 25 high altitude balloons that would be flying over the area. They had to get an FCC permit to do this, and their stated reason was to provide persistent surveillance system to locate and deter narcotic trafficking and homeland security threats. So the balloons are supposed to come down in central Illinois next month. We are going to do some follow-up. Um, it's not clear that Illinois State Police would be notified of, of this kind of activity um, in the first place. So we're, we're reaching out to other sources now to see maybe who who might have more information about this. Um, and the other thing that that we found out through our reporting was that the ACLU of Illinois definitely had some concerns about this in terms of what information would be collected, where would it be stored, and, and that kind of thing. And, and I guess just the fact that, that so little was done to inform the general public about this. Yeah, more more Big Brother spying on its citizenry. Um, of course, there's, there's uh, surveillance cameras just about everywhere now, particularly in bigger cities um, like Chicago. I don't know. I don't feel so good about this. Of course, they they did say this was just a test, but how how do we trust uh, government when they don't even tell their citizens they're doing something like this? That's it this week for the crosstalk segment of Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb. Well, thank you, Brett. We'll talk to you next week. Now back to Greg Bishop for what's coming in the week ahead.
Next week, a couple of state legislative committees have hearings. One will tackle topics ranging from the impacts of Illinois from upgrading cell phone networks to 5G, and another committee will look at the compensation of administration officials at the state's public universities. There could also be a slew of bills Governor J.B. Pritzker signs as the deadline to act looms. And Illinois' second state fair, the DeCoin State Fair, will be in full swing. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more Illinois stories and commentary online. Visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.